Do you think there's something to the idea that we need to model calm for our kids? We can't just tell them to calm down. We need to kind of be that calm and show them how to do that. Of course, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, our kids are the biggest BS detectors that are out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're <laughs> right through you. Like, I'm sure that anyone listening, like, you remember, like, if you dig back, you remember looking at the older adults and saying they're such hypocrites oh, for yeah. whatever it was, whether it was your teachers in the high school or your parents or whatever, like, thinking, you're such a hypocrite, you know? Because oh, yeah. We, Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I'm Dr. John Duffy, your host as always here. And as always, I appreciate you protecting a little time for myself and my guests. Today, my guest is Hunter Clarkfield. Hunter, welcome. Well, I'm so psyched to be here. So yes. psyched you are here. You are the Mindful Mama Mentor. Yes? Yes. Um, Hunter, I'm going to I'm going to uh, brag about you for just a second. <laughs> Here's what I know about you. You coach overstressed moms, a lot of them. Um, you cultivate mindfulness in them. You are a yogi. Yoga is part of the practice, yeah? Mm -hmm. You are a mother of two girls, and you are a fellow podcaster, and you are an amazing artist, by the way. Oh, and you checked it out? Yeah, of course I checked it out. <laughs> we, we do a little recon here. We figure things out. Um, so how old are you? How old are your girls? They're, they they just are having they, Sora's birthday. My youngest is her birthday is today. You're kidding. She's eight years old today, and my oldest is eleven. Was eleven on like five days ago. So so you're in the thick of the whole parenting yes. thing. Mm -hmm. Why why get into this whole parenting mentoring thing? You know why do this? This is hard work. There's a, a lot to it. You know <laughs> um, how did you how did you decide to do it, and why did you decide to do it? It's funny because it's actually I I got into it because it was the thing that I was like the worst out of my life. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, as far as that was my own perception of it anyway. But like, you know, I don't know. Actually, I'm kind of like one of those people who's kind of like good at being good at things. Like I can do a lot of things and pr be pretty good at it. Yeah. And um, I got, I had my daughters, I had my first daughter and I was just like shocked at how difficult it was. It was, I was so triggered by her and I was like, I, this was like the most important thing in the world to me. Right. This was the most important, you know, this had turned my whole life completely upside down. And this, she was the most important thing in the world to me. And I, you know, in my mind, I was totally messing it up. You know, I just was like, it was horrible. <laughs> oh, I can tell. <laughs> and I never thought about that whole idea of those of us who are pretty good at stuff. You mm -hmm. know, we get to that parenting thing. And you have so little control all of a oh, sudden. Yeah. And then you feel like, boy, I, I'm good at everything except this thing that matters, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like this one thing that matters. And so, yeah, so I, I really dove into <clears throat> work to, you know, to get myself more grounded, less reactive and calmer with, yeah. the, with mindfulness, you know, kind of re, you know, just returning to my mindfulness with more fervor to help me get to that place of being less reactive. And then also diving into study about like, well, how do you do this parenting thing? And what, what are good practices? And, you know, I got, you know, I dove into books and teachers and trainings and things to do that. And I realized like, it was interesting because I knew I kind of had something to share about the, on the realm of, um, of mindfulness and mm -hmm. self-care and kind of knowing that, you know, you had, that was very natural to me. <laughs> 
the whole like taking care of my part self part was really natural to me but to to move into the parenting realm it was interesting because it took some time for me to say well actually I, I have something valuable to help add to the conversation here you yeah. know because and we just we need that voice to say actually I kind of sucked at this too and you can get better <laughs> right right um, and is mindfulness something you know it's an interesting instinct I'm thinking of the madness of the first few months of parenting and mindfulness I, I know for myself 22 years ago when my son was born that did not come to mind very readily there was just too much else going on were you practicing that before you were a mother yeah yeah so I. I was, when I was um, a teenager, I started reading about Buddhism, and um, I struggled with, I mean, I don't know what it was, but I was kind of a highly sensitive person. I struggled with, like, deep lows. Uh-huh. Uh, I would fall into pits of sadness or despair or whatever, feeling incapable of, like, handling life on a regular basis, like every tour every week every couple of weeks <laughs> and I would stay there for a few days and then I you know I'd eventually kind of get out of it but I remember kind of I remember being young like a kid like this was like my, my whole life being a kid and crying just being so upset over something my dad was rubbing my back and he said to me you know I was like oh what's wrong with you and he said to me you know oh Hunter this is your artistic temperament and life will always be like this and I was like Great. That <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> like, this is horrible. So, this is, I mean, but he was right. It was yeah. true. And then, so finally, after reading about it for about 10 years, uh, when I was 27, after I did my yoga teacher training, I was finally able to s- do my own mindfulness practice and sit in meditation um, every day for just 10 minutes. And it, it trend. I, I. It was funny because after a couple months, I thought, I thought like this is not. This isn't working. Like I'm just sitting here <laughs> thinking the whole time. Right. Like I'm not even like doing anything. But then I looked back over my life. I realized I didn't fallen into any of those pits that I had fallen into for wow. 27 years of my life. Like I just hadn't. That hadn't happened for like two or three months. I was like, I mean, it was it was completely life altering for me. It really just for me. You know, I was at that level where I could just take it to this. It just brought me this peace, this equanimity that, I mean, it's not like everything was great and perfect in my life. It didn't solve, it wasn't like magical sparkle dust that solved all my problems, <laughs> but it solved a big problem. Yeah. And that just, you know, so then when my daughter was born, I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, this was like, I knew this thing worked. I needed to go back to, I mean, I meditated with a meditation group when I was pregnant with her. Really? Yeah, yeah, with a sangha. uh, Did did you know in real time, like, I'm probably going to need to come back to this. I'm going to need to rely on this as as I enter this parenting realm, or was this a surprise? Oh, no, I totally thought, like, oh, man, I'm, like, meditating. I'm going to be such a, like, awesome I'm so mom. chill. <laughs> I totally thought, like, I'm going to rock this because I'm, like, <laughs> and I was just, no, it was just, like, a complete slap in the face, like, oh how difficult gosh. it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so you were doing this when you were young. You were, you were, would you describe yourself as, like, a very a highly sensitive child, or what was it that you're your dad was was comforting in you. You know what I mean? What were those waves about and what did meditation in in retrospect do to kind of calm that storm? Yeah, I 
I don't know. You know, those waves, it's interesting because I now I see that kind of sensitivity in my oldest daughter, and I see it for sure in my dad, who's dealt with it in different ways, and mm. probably my grandmother, too, now. I can kind of see this sort of genetic way it's gone down the line. But, you know, for me, I, as a young kid, I think it came out in that I was just difficult to handle. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yes. I was like, I've totally apologized to my parents because I know that I was a really intense kid uh -huh. and I was really just, um, just a really, I think that's the best way to describe it is I was a really intense kid yeah. in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I fully, fully doing whatever I was doing to the max, whether it was <laughs> happy things or whether it was like in despair. So, and then when I started my, you know, it was interesting because when I started reading about mindfulness, yeah, just reading the books were so calming and soothing to me, you know, to read that there was a way a path to relieve your suffering like oh that was this huge revelation you know and, and just reading those books I one of the first books I read was Being Peace by Thich Nhat Hanh uh, who's a teacher I've done a lot of study with yeah. and um and and so then finally after reading about it for so long I finally was able to I incorporated in other ways like I started I'd start running in high school and that was really grounding for me. Uh -huh. And then I, in college, I started running without headphones and like that was a mindfulness practice for me. It was kind of a gateway for mindfulness was to just run and follow my breath. Yeah. And, and then when I finally did, you know, sat, it's funny cause at first you just, you just, it does feels like you are just thinking the whole time, but eventually you realize that sitting with this is you're just you kind of face and you understand yourself it's like a whole level of self-awareness that I just hadn't had before and, and somehow I mean I kind of think of it as a weird brain hack you know like yeah. it's like 2600 years ago they figured out if you sit down and sit still long enough like you're you start to chill out right <laughs> right, right. it helps everything <laughs> and you're right it's nothing new um and and so how bring this into the parenting realm for us which is which feels to me like so as i watch you i'm thinking like oh yeah i can feel you know like you're actually i can kind of almost feel the vibe of you know that meditative um thought process or lack thereof and and i actually when i run i do not wear headphones specifically to follow my breath so mm. that so resonates with me and it probably resonates with some of our listeners if you can find that place that that si silent spot inside of you you know then a lot can go wrong and you still feel solid you still feel good you still feel okay somehow you know I think of it as like the breathing space you know because sometimes when we use words like that silent space inside you like yeah. people are like oh no I don't have a silent space inside <laughs> me because I, I think all the time <laughs> because that's true but like somehow like you just need to have like I think in our culture, we tend to just fill up every second and we need to have that breathing space for, you know, things to have room to process the, process yeah. these things. I mean, that's a very, very much a thing we need to do, just have the space and time to be able to to have those those moments to be able to process those things. And, and meditation is just a way to kind of directly face them without any other distractions. It's just you and your stuff. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, I, and I noticed like just reading through your website and, and listening to you, um, you are not you're not talking a lot about techniques. This is a, this is a, uh, mm -hmm. this is how you're going to get your kid to sleep. 
you're really talking about finding mindfulness. How how do you get moms there? Can you give us a, a, the short story on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because a lot of moms or dads, you know, parents come to me and they, you know, they want the answer. How do I get my kid to listen to me? Right, <laughs> you know? of course. And um, <laughs> and then eventually, so what happens is, you know, when I teach the mindful parenting course, and you know, we I don't I start with all this stuff about you, like your foundation, your groundedness, your self awareness. So, it, you know, it takes a person, you know, they gotta. You know, it's like, no, I'm, we're not going to jump to the other stuff first. Like, <laughs> this is not about fixing your kid. This is about actually how you're responding in a relationship. And then, yes, then there's some skills and some communication skills that are incredibly helpful. Right. You know, when you stop, you know, doing all the ordering and threatening and stuff, you know, that can be a huge help and learn some skills to speak. But it all has to come from this foundation first. And so I guess what I do is I, I write about that a lot and I podcast that about yeah. that a lot. And so I try to educate people about that. And then eventually they say, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I hope anyway. And, and that's kind of what happened for you, right? You read enough and you, yeah. right? And then eventually you find this place you're sitting and you're like, oh, well, those waves have calmed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. There's something you focus on that I'm fascinated with. Seriously, like um, I, I work with families all the time. I'm in one. Um, and there, there's something about transforming harmful generational patterns. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase. Can you tell us a little bit about how your work gets us, gets us there? Like, you know, because I, I think everybody can say in, in some way in their family, there's some pattern that's passed down generation to generation. Mm-hmm. We don't even know how far back. Mm-hmm. And how do we, how do we become the last line? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the first step is to be aware of it, of course. Yeah. And that's where that, so in, you know, in my coaching work and in my work with mindful parenting, the, the first thing we do is I say, okay, we've got to take some time to, to settle, settle your reactivity. So we work on a basic you know, let's sit. <laughs> let's sit for three minutes. It's not going to kill you. Try it out. <laughs> and we talk about why in a little more depth than that. Uh-huh. And <laughs> <laughs> I assume. And but then we talk. Um, so, uh, someone whose work I really respect and draw from in this aspect is uh, Dr. John Siegel and Mary Hartzell's work with uh, parenting from the inside out, where they talk about you know, there, you have to, to understand yourself, you know, and it really is this self-understanding, self-awareness of, well, why am I triggered? And that's so part of this, that, well, how, how was, how were my relationships when I was in this parent-child relationship before as the child? And right. what did it feel like? And all those questions that aren't super fun to answer. Like right. nobody's like, oh, please let me just like <laughs> explore my childhood because that's going to be fun, you know. Yes, but digging up all that dirt. Yes, we, we love that. But we have to do that to understand like where is this stuff coming from? Why am I so angry when my two-year-old does this? Because yeah. the two-year-old's going to find the places that, you know, they're inevitable. that's like their job. Yeah. So, you know, we have to have that self-understanding to be able to, even get there. Now I'm totally like lost in this and I forgot your question, John. <laughs> oh, it was just about that, that, um, oh, it, it, yeah, harmful it, generational harm, patterns. Yeah. Those, those patterns between yeah, generations, yeah. man, it's just such a, that's such a powerful, potent concept. And 
most every family I work with, I can say, mm, yes, that's definitely what we're dealing with here. You know, like you're when I work with a parent, I'm thinking, wow, the, what your child is going through is so it so mirrors what you went through, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe what you're still going through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's like, I don't know, it it's like it just helps us also to see. I think we tend to blame ourselves so much for our experience. We live in a very individualist kind of society, and right. we we think, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm this way. Why can't I just stop yelling and all of these things? And to then look and see, oh, you know, my parents, like, this is difficult for me, and I'm suffering because of this. Like, this is hard. And then to look at your parents and say, oh, you know, I was suffering when I was a kid because actually because they were suffering because right. they this was difficult for them and that was hard and then to see it go you know i wonder then you know i've talked to my parents about how they were raised and you know it gets really ugly like as you go a few generations back like the belt you know i mean it's yeah. like um but i think that it's also that's it's really helpful for us to stop blaming ourselves and say oh, you know, like, this is just the way it is because there was all this suffering in the world and there's really no one to blame for it because it's just keeps going on down the line. It's not, and blaming is not the problem, right? Like, so maybe we should stop blaming ourselves and start to just practice something new. I love that. I love that, stop blaming ourselves, right? Just recognize we all have our context and there's that cliche of, you know, Every parent does the best they can, mm-hmm. but there's some truth to that, yeah. right? I mean, you're right. If you go back a few generations, you know, every generation probably thinks, well, I'm definitely a far more aware, awake parent than mm-hmm. my parents were, you know? And mm-hmm. and um, and yet we feel, I, I feel like parents now, um, because parenting is more of a verb than it used to be. I think we're yeah. more like, you know, we're, you and I are going to a parenting conference tonight. Yeah. And I'm thinking like... My parents would, if there were parenting conferences all over Chicago, and my parents were never going to go to one, you know. And, but there were no parenting conferences no. a generation ago, right? There was there was Doctor Spock, and that's it. Um, so I feel like we're more aware of of our parenting, and and it becomes our report card in a lot of mm. ways, you know. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you think there's any truth to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess we. I, I don't know. I could go really deep with this, but like, I mean, I think a lot of us, it depends kind of where you are. Like a lot of us maybe have some levels of comfort as far as material comfort in our families, right? right? Where our, you know, if you think of that Maslow's hierarchy, those basic needs are met in those families. So now we're saying, well, for our children, we want just more for them than just you know, maybe just success. We we see that, well, we have some success, we have some comfort, and actually maybe we're still suffering and we still have a lot of unhappiness in ourselves. For our kids, we don't want them to have that. You know, we yeah. want them to have what we didn't have as far as that, that sense of um, just accepting themselves and being comfortable in their own skin. And, you know, we don't want them to hate themselves. And a lot of uh, women and men in our generation... Um, you know, they, there's a lot of like self berating and self-loathing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree completely. Um, there's this, this idea you you talk about of like, um, you've mentioned yelling a couple of times, like we lose patience with our kids and, um, do you think there's something to 
the idea that we need to model calm for our kids. We can't just tell them to calm down. We need to kind of be that calm and show them how to do that. Of course, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, our kids are the biggest BS detectors that are out there. Yeah, you know? They're going to see <laughs> right through you. Like, I'm sure that anyone listening, like, you remember, like, if you dig back, you remember looking at the older adults and saying they're such hypocrites oh, for yeah. whatever it was, whether <laughs> it was your teachers in the high school or your parents or whatever, like, thinking, you're such a hypocrite, you know? Because oh, yeah. we, you see that, right? You see that so quickly, and so our kids see that, too. So we can't just say, do it, you right, know? Right. Like, we have to live it. And it's funny because um, it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff for um, mindfulness for kids now, which I think is wonderful. I think it's really great that they're teaching in school and things like that. But And people ask me about that in my own family. Yeah. But... Um, I don't really, we don't do anything big as far as like, you know, or, you know, make a special effort to teach them any mindfulness. But what we do have make, uh, let them know is they see us, they see me meditating in the morning. They see us yeah. pausing before dinner to take three breaths. You know, yeah. they, they, they see it in action and we, you know, we talk about how we feel and all those things. So we have to, we have to model that. Like that's ridiculous. You're telling your kid to calm down and you're giving them the, you know, and then you're just like having your own adult temperature. That doesn't make any sense. It, do, it really doesn't. <laughs> and yet, and yet I find that so many parents have difficulty with that, with that practice. Um, I work with a lot of teenagers and tween age kids. And um, a question I ask a lot, I find myself asking a lot is how do you feel when you're at home? And what I hear far too often is, eh, home is stressful. Mm. You know, like I, uh, some kids prefer, oddly enough, to be at school. Like mm. I know it, it's predictable. Emotionally, I know kind of what's going on. They, don't, they won't use those words, but that's effectively what I'm hearing. Um, and, you know, I, I always encourage parents to like pause and at least take the, the emotional temperature of the house. Mm. Does it feel stressful? Because, mm. you know, I think back to my childhood home, and there was plenty of times where there was just this kind of like low-lying, quiet stress, mm. you know? And I think a few breaths mm. and maybe a few words that we weren't speaking like that we could have, a few more I love yous and things like that, mm -hmm. might have changed the whole vibe of my family. And I think that's true of a lot of my client families as well. It sounds like you are very deliberately setting a tone in your home, even if it's not like, okay, girls, we're going to sit down and meditate now, mm. right? You're, mm -hmm. not, you're not pushing that. But there's something about a tone and a vibe it sounds like you're creating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I think we're really conscious of the the tone and the vibe in our home. And, you know, like when in the evening we play relaxing, quiet music and, you know, we're trying to, you know, I mean, I think that it, when, you, when you spoke about that, it made me think about how it really all comes back to ourselves. Like when you're, you were in your family, you know, if you're parents had taken steps to say, oh, look, you know, to be, have that self-awareness enough to say, oh, I'm kind of suffering here. Like I have this stress, I have this unhappiness and what can I do to take care of myself? Then you would have felt that in the mm -hmm. change in tone in your house. So, um, you know, when my, my mom, who is, uh, she's pretty amazing. She's a hospice nurse. Uh, oh. So she, you know, she's got the... <laughs> saint. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it feeds her a lot, you know, mm -hmm. because it's, it really feels good to give back. But one of the things she did, we didn't, we grew up in a, you know, she, we kind of 
you know, she was a nurse. My dad was a sign maker, so we didn't make a ton of money. But right. she, she went and did horseback riding lessons. She did riding lessons, and she she rode horses, and she did some leasing of horses and things like that. And like horseback riding is a pretty expensive thing to do. Yeah, just so you know, if anyone doesn't know this. <laughs> and but I really appreciate how that was a value for her that she need she it, it made her happy, and it. It felt good to her, and it was part of something that fed her soul. And I think that honesty about, you know, it's almost like a tone of, you know, an honesty. Like, we need to be honest about, hey, you know what? Right now I'm kind of stressed. I've had a kind of crappy day, or and I'm not feeling so good. You know, say, just saying some of those things out loud can bring a lot of relief, and having someone hear you, even if it's you're telling your eight-year-old saying, you know what, I had kind of a crappy day. And you know what, your eight-year-old might say, oh, and give you a hug. And you might feel a lot better if you just, you know, you you acknowledge, we need to acknowledge that we have these stresses and suffering and, and take care of that, you know? I, I love that. I, I think there's some um, odd conventional unwisdom out there that suggests, oh, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't show our children our emotions. We shouldn't, you know, we should be kind of these blank slates for them. But I agree with you. I think it's important to let them know that we, we experience this range. It's not always great, but it's okay. But, and, and, it's, and we can help each other through it somehow. Yeah. I yeah, because they, 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 they need to know that if they're sad or they're stressed or, you know, they can get through it. And we yeah. can show them that, yeah, we've had these moments that are, We've had crappy moments and we've had great moments, and you know this is how we take care of those feelings that are difficult. And the the fun part is you know, celebrating the other feelings. But yeah, right. And and I think sometimes it gives parents a little relief to see that their kids are empathic, <laughs> you know, because they don't always have that opportunity, especially if there are siblings involved and you know and and uh, a lot of strife in the house. Yeah. 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 It's amazing how I mean so. I teach this mindful parenting class and part what this communication skills we work on are skills that uh, teach kids to cooperate because of their relationship with their parents, not because of threats and punishment and things like that. Right. And one of my my favorite moments are always when, you know, you know, I teach parents skills like I messages. Right. And um, when, you know, a mom you know, for instance, the last time we run the course, a mom with a two-year-old came came to the live coaching call and she was like, oh my God, I said like, <laughs> when you do this, this makes me feel frustrated. And then, you know, and and he actually like stopped what he was doing and listened to me. And like, it's like, yeah, like two-year-olds have empathy for other people. Like they, you know, two-year-olds are pretty selfish human being by nature. That's right? how they should be. But they do actually have empathy for their parents and they care about their parents. And it's like so exciting for me to have those moments when people realize that it's like, yeah. yes, like you can be a human. <laughs> you can show your kids you're a human and, and that's okay. You don't have to be just this role, which is stupid. Right. No, I love that. And I think the role is stupid, you know, and, 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 and there's something artificial about it. There's something inauthentic about it. I love uh, the idea of just being yourself with your kids. Yeah. 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 Um, Amen, brother. <laughs> right? Uh, so so um, the stock and trade here is anxiety. Mm -hmm. What do you see? You know, I, I have a 22-year-old. I work with teenagers. Um, you've got some younger kids. I assume you work with some parents of younger children. What, are, what do you find that parents are anxious about? You know, what, what, what are the stresses that really get to them? 
um, with mm-hmm. when they have, you know, maybe younger kids? Well, I think the, one of the biggest things that leads to a lot of anxiety with parents of younger kids is that they, the mind naturally tells this story that if my child is doing X now, this is the way it's going to be forever. Oh, yeah. You know, and so one of the big um, things that we talk about in mindful parenting is impermanence or constant change, you know, and this is this, you know, this idea that, you know, we just making it a practice to look at your kids and look at yourself and say, okay, this is just this moment. This is not forever. And to start, start, you know, and start to interrupt that pattern of thought because, mm-hmm. you know, what happens with anxiety is a fear thought may creep up like, oh my God, he's never going to, you know, eat with his fork right. or whatever right. it is, you know, right. and right. he's never going to have a... This is a forever thing. We're, this is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's never going to have a girlfriend. He's going to, like, be a social outcast and all these, you know, like... Yeah, he's going to be a yeah. couch dweller. We're going to have him for the rest of our lives because he's not eating with his fork. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like, it, it's not even conscious, but when you practice mindfulness, you, you can start to see those thoughts. So then a thought like that comes up. And instead of it then triggering a feeling, which then triggers another negative thought, which triggers another negative feeling, another negative thought, that downward spiral, when you're practicing mindfulness and you have a, a, a practice going along that you're pretty diligent about, it's like, it's like if that thought of, oh, no, this is horrible, is, gonna, is happening, that fear thought starts to happen, if that fear thought is like, you know, my favorite metaphor for this right now is that if that fearful thought is like a waterfall, it's like you're stepping out of the waterfall and looking at it from the front rather than being under the water when you have that mindfulness practice because then you're like, oh, I'm having a thought that this is this. And so then in that moment, like in that split second moment, you have interrupted the pattern of that rumination. Oh, what and, a brilliant way to mitigate that anxiety, right? To step away from it and just recognize it. Yeah, yeah. Just right there. You just label it and recognize it. You might have to do that like 500 times. Oh yeah. But you know, it's, it gives you, it's no longer, you know, the mind is a, a, a wonderful servant and a terrible master. And <laughs> right, right. And then, you know, you're, you're no longer, it's no longer your master. It's then, you know, it starts to become more your servant. Yeah. Yeah. How did you um, learn all of this in terms of applying it to parenting? So I get how you learned mindfulness and, uh, and that, that you followed some of those gurus, right? Um, but, but this feels like your sphere somehow. <laughs> you know, I don't know anybody else who practices this. And yet it seems so critical. It seems like maybe one of the most important things you can do as a parent is practice mindfulness so that you can be, I use the word available a lot, so you can be really available to your kids when they need you. Yeah. I mean, available is such a perfect word because if you're present with your kids, you're available. Like if you're not trying to, if you're not like lost in the future or the past, you're available. You're actually there. You're in the living in the present moment. But I, I don't know. I'm, for me, it was interesting because I would listen to uh, wonderful teachers like friends of ours, like Todd and Kathy Adams. Oh, I yeah. listened to them when I was really struggling, and I'm, um, and I would read books like incredible books. Like I, I, I've been trained in parent effectiveness training, which is incredible. And as I listened and as I learned and as I did all these things, 
I was like, mindfulness, this is the thing that's underneath <laughs> all of this, you know? Like, it yeah. was just, like, so obvious to me because I had this background in learning about this for so many years that I was like, oh, like, this is the this is the foundation for us to be able to make these changes. You know, in, for instance, parent effectiveness cha- training asks us to become, be, you know, just to say how this makes you feel and how it affects you, right? Right. But to be even to even know how this makes you feel and how this affects you, <laughs> you have to know how you're feeling and how yeah. it affects you. Like right. you have to actually kind of stop and have enough self-awareness to be able to do that. And mostly we're so just reactive to the other. And mindfulness is what helps us really understand ourselves. And, and that's, you know, we're the only ones we can control anyway. So, right. you know, right. that's what gives us that control or that power to some degree. It must be so gratifying to be able to deliver that message to other parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's hard still because there's a lot of resistance to... I was going to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> there is, huh? Yeah, yeah, sure. There's a lot of resistance, but it is is really exciting when, you know, when moms can say, you know, oh my gosh, I've actually been doing it. I've actually been doing this five minutes of meditation for the last four weeks and wow. Or even the, sometimes they'll say in like the last week and you know what? I feel better. I feel yeah. more grounded. Just even just setting the intention for the day like that, Yeah, it makes them feel better, more grounded. It kind of takes that moment of instead of just launching into action and doing, it gives you that moment of being and just resting and and deliberately letting yourself not do or attempting to not not do and to just have that moment of pause in our lives i mean and i don't just mean that moment of pause before you like strap the kid in the car seat like i mean a deliberate moment of pause in your life that you're deliberately taking time to honor your deepest intentions about who how you want to show up in the world yeah you know it's it i what happened what's really gratifying is that when they do it they it's like this oh it starts to feel so good it's just it's a positive feedback they just can they do it because it feels so good and then they get a fall off the wagon and then they're like oh and then i was yelling at my kid and you know and they're like right and you're gonna yell at your kid even if you're like the dalai lama sometimes like i think like <laughs> If the Dalai Lama were stuck with a four-year-old for like two snow days, like he would totally lose it. <laughs> I'm sure he would, but he just, the difference is he just wouldn't feel guilty about it. Right. He would be like, I was angry. Well, that's okay. You I know? am going to be living for a long time with the image of the Dalai Lama watching a kid for two snow days. Now. That's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so so you feel that resistance from some parents, but, oh, but it's sure, gratifying yeah. to see that practice take hold. I picture parenting, parenting is so chaotic and and all consuming in some ways that just protecting time Mm. for yourself, right, has got to be so critical, Mm -hmm. yeah? And for some reason I'm drawn to the idea of you as an artist, Mm -hmm. you know? Is is there something meditative about that? Yeah, there is. It's funny though, it's like, I'm kind of an extrovert, and so it's actually being in the studio by myself for many hours can be really challenging for me. But oh, yeah. so I did listen to a lot of podcasts in the studio. <laughs> um, the as an artist, you know, I think how that plays 
into my work now is that it, it plays in a lot of ways in that art, making art really makes you, um, it's, it's very, um, it gives you a lot of self-awareness because almost every painting is some kind of self-portrait in some ways. And you're, you have to explore, you know, what is your vision and what, what are you trying to say and what, you know, and it's really challenging. It's, it's, uh, it's harder than it looks, you yeah. know, it looks fun to make the, it's not just technically hard. Like the technical part is something you can learn. Like you can learn to play guitar or piano, like you right. can learn to technically draw and things like that. Yeah. It's just, um, it gives you a lot of, it, it, for me, it helped me, help me exercise my demons. Like it helped me, a lot of my work is about parenting and motherhood. And I saw in myself this animal instinct like I saw like oh my god my body's being taken over and it's like gross and oozy and like disgusting <laughs> you know like <laughs> beautiful it's making life but it's also like you know it's like there's all these like animalistic parts like the, you know in the media we make motherhood to be so fluffy and pretty but like you know no you have like you know you have like cravings like you you know you you have these hormones like it's like nature is taking over and you realize that you are an animal right you right. know and then when my daughter was born i had you know my anger came up and i just realized like oh my god like you know this is just this is this is not necessarily some deep thing about who i am and this is my fault and all this stuff like this is just like women have aggression like yeah yeah this is nature this, this is, is just this is how my my i work right yeah. but it helped me to paint about that and to um to understand that and also art being in the art world which you know i i have been i've uh has taught me a lot about rejection and continuing mm. on anyway <laughs> right 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 i'm sure and and um for for those of you listening i encourage you to uh to look at hunter's art and and what she's saying i think will will resonate um, because it reflects what you're saying beautifully yeah yeah, yeah. and i think what i what i now you got me a tangent on art, but yeah, like what ahead. I think I saw is like there's th there's a beauty in that power and that aggression, you know, yeah. like there's a beauty in those difficulties. Mm -hmm. And I think that I could see that in my art, you know, like yeah. that, like this is, <clears throat> you know, I speak about like the difficulties and the challenges and the, all this stuff. But to me, it was like a there's a beauty in that. And I and that comes, I think, comes through in the paintings. I, I would agree, and and um, it, they're lovely and they're powerful, um, and and it's interesting that that kind of fierceness, that that um, animal part, it makes me want to ask you about another tangent, if I, if I might. And um, I love tangents. Okay, we'll go off on a tangent here. So this is an interesting moment for women, mm. right? Um, things are things have changed in the last year. I feel like there's been a voice for women who have been silenced for mm. so long for so many reasons that none of them are reasonable none of them right none of them good um as as a woman yourself as a coach for women as a mother of girls how do you feel about this moment oh it's exciting yeah. i mean i was at the women's march in two 2017 in Washington, D.C., which was the largest march in human history with yeah. half a million people there. 
which was ridiculous because I was like stuck in a sea of humanity and couldn't move for an hour and a half and couldn't hear anything. But that's okay. Doesn't sound like <laughs> a whole lot of fun, but it was. It was actually it was pretty amazing. But so yeah. I'm experiencing this. I really think. Um, I don't know. I just think people are waking up to their power of their voice, and somehow our technology is helping us just connect and and do this. I think we're 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 waking up to you know it's it's kind of like um, we were. I think we're evolving faster, and and men are. And um, I was telling you, I had a conversation with my father recently, and we had a deep talk about generations and things like that. And he had um, he had some resentment of his father and the way he was parented, mm. and and I I s- talked to him about you know I said like I think that there's this been even you know for men like this women coming into our power and talking about all these things is opening things for men too because like we said in those generations before like men were just in this they were like emotionally crippled by this box yes. that you had to be of this certain way and your child had to be this certain way, you know? And and he he really agreed. I thought that was really interesting because it's like, I think that the women's revolution will be a man's men's revolution too. It's so interesting to hear you say that. Todd, are we, now we've talked about Todd mm-hmm. Adams a couple of times. So Todd, you're, you're in the room with us. <laughs> Todd and I have talked a lot about this. We've actually... Um, kind of um, moderated a group discussion with men about the whole about mm. the whole movement and how we both feel and I'm going to speak for our buddy Todd um, that this is actually one of the greatest things that's ever happened. We're liberated here as well, right? Because we get to be emotional beings. Mm. We get to and if we don't pay attention and allow this movement to affect us too, then then we lose somehow. You know what I mean? We lose yeah. everything that's important, all, all that emotional connection that's available to us mm-hmm. right now, that mm-hmm. this movement isn't just for women. It's also for men because we've missed something too, you know, like by, yeah. you know, and, and the artifact of that is that that, that uh, abusive, um, neglectful fringe of men, you know, and, and maybe it's far broader than, than I know. I think it is. Um, but... That that's the artifact of not being emotionally connected, I think, you know, and not being mm-hmm. emotionally available to yourself and to other people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited for men just as much as I am for women. Yeah. The whole thing I feels mean, very progressive. It and, is. It's yeah. really exciting. I, you know, and I was at the Women's March again in Philadelphia this year in 2018. And, and to see, I just think it's so exciting for to see women saying like, yeah, we can do some stuff. We've got some power, you know, like in the, in, um, was it Alabama where all the black women came out and voted oh and they gosh. just changed things getting, you know, I don't want this to turn political, but I mean, that was exciting for them to see like this, we have power as we come together and, um, and to see the men out there, you know, and I, I saw a, a man, um, I saw a man with a little boy who had a sign that said, you know, um, what, what was it? He has, is just said like, not, not a, not a boy's boy. Or what, I forget what the language oh, yeah. was, but it, he just had crossed that out and said, good human being. And there was a woman whose sign just resonated with me so fully where it said, um, she had a sign that said, she's somebody's. And then underneath that, a little checklist is a daughter, mother, sister, etc. But then she had crossed off daughter, mother, sister, and the S. So it just said, she's somebody. Oh. 
And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Oh my God. Like, I've, I have goosebumps. <laughs> I have goosebumps thinking about that because, yeah. because that's, I talk about that with my clients a lot. Like, you know, no, like, you're allowed to, like, you can ask for, you don't have to always be the one to be doing this. You don't right. have to. And the, it's, sometimes I'm surprised at how, how much those old ideas linger on, like, oh, I can't ask, you know, like right. where it's a family with two, a husband and a wife, both working full-time jobs. And the wife is always the one to get up with the one-year-old. Yes. And I'm like, you know, you can tell them, tell your husband <laughs> that you have some needs that, you know, and you yeah. can also like, it's okay for you. You can give yourself permission to let him make his mistakes and to, be okay and to just let go of some of that control. It's right. interesting. And for men who are listening, who are thinking, you know, hey, wait a minute, there's also um, that ability. I remember getting up with my son in the middle of the night. My wife was working. I was at home <laughs> at, when, when he was young. And, and it was this great privilege for me because at 2 in the morning, I had to hang out with this kid. And, and you know, he's 22 now. And I think the strength of our connection now is an, is an artifact of the strength of our connection then. Mm. And so, you know, um, for any men who feel like, hey, wait a minute, you know, why is, why, why is everything getting taken away from us? Uh, this, is, this is not a lose game. Every, this is a win-win game, you know? <laughs> yeah, something yeah. is being given to you. I mean, I think yeah. about what you just said about men um, being allowed to be emotional mm -hmm. selves. I mean, because the thing is, if you numb your life, you numb all of your life. Yes. Right. And, you know, we're just like, the truth is like, we could walk out this door and, you know, of this building and be hit by a car and die sure. tomorrow. I'm not, I don't want to be morbid, but I think it's really important to keep that idea of impermanence yeah. in mind. Like, this is it. Like, you know, here we are. Like, and this doesn't last too long. It goes by really fast too, you know, once. Yeah. It just, so we want to be you know, we can't just numb it out. Like we have to take the steps to be brave enough. And I think meditation does that to be brave enough to be present with what it feels like, how intense and to lean into how intense it is to be a human being like with this, you know, the sensations and the thoughts and the feelings and to be able to actually feel that it's not some frou-frou thing. It's actually this like really very brave thing to do. I love that. I love that to be brave enough to be present, and it is. It takes a lot of courage. It's it's easy to pass time, right, and mm -hmm. to hide, yeah. um, and it's it's almost this unconscious kind of like laziness, and to just wake and be there, you know, mm -hmm. is is huge. And I think your mindfulness practice gets people there. I I love everything about it. Is there anything, Hunter, in your message that you feel like? Boy, John, you, you missed this. We should have talked about this piece. Or is there is there any part that you want to punctuate about what you want people to hear? Well, I think the only thing I might want to punctuate is that um, that change is really possible and it's happening all the time and that we can make small steps. Like you might be listening to me thinking, oh, this woman wants everyone to meditate, which I kind of do, yeah. But <laughs> I also think you can take small steps that fit your life, you yeah. know, and you can, you might hear this message and say, oh, I don't know. But you, you're always changing and practicing something. You know, I think we need to recognize that we're always practicing something and we are either unconsciously practicing 
that mean voice in our head. We're either unconsciously practicing uh, stress, you know, or, yeah. or being more comfortable with that, or we're, con- we're practicing distraction, or we can just start to make small places where we can practice it. And the brain is plastic. And so what the neurons that fire together, wire together, meaning that as you practice something, what you practice grows stronger. And when you practice peace, when you practice slowing down a little, when you practice giving yourself permission to just rest and just enjoy mm-hmm. some time rather than rush to the next thing, um, that's beautiful because then you're teaching that to your kids too. I love that. And, and it's important to remember, I, I, I never really think about it that way, but that's a revelation to me. The brain is always practicing something. Mm-hmm. Give it some time to practice this calm meditation. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the thing is, like, I, I, I have to just share this too because Please. we don't, it's just like everything, like, it's a muscle, like everything. And you don't send your kid to the Little League World Series without having them gone to the practices <laughs> and right. learn how to do the whole thing. You're not like, oh, here's the World Series, go ahead, have fun, good luck. Yeah. So we can't go into, our moments as parents are that are our world series, like maybe the intense tantrum or the difficult conversation or whatever those are without having practiced being non-reactive in those moments. And so just like that, we need to practice. And I think that's, and you don't have to get it perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's huge. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to pick on yourself. Yes. You're doing fine. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Hunter, you are um, you, you're uh, a, an exciting presence to be around, and and um, and I can tell that you are making a massive difference in a lot of parents' lives. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Um, okay, so the people listening, they want to know how do I find Hunter? What's her deal? Um, where is she online? Where's the podcast? Give us a little guide here. All righty. So you can find me at mindfulmamamentor.com. You can spell mama either way, and you'll still get there, actually. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> we yeah. got them both. Well but it's done. Mindful Mama Mentor, M-A-M-A is how I spell it. But Or you can go to mindfulmamamapodcast.com. Um, so either of those, and you can hear my conversation with John on the Mindful Mama <laughs> podcast, which has had its own ripple effects. I was telling John, I'm just going to toot his horn a little bit because we had a great conversation. And my brother, like with it, I just released it that day. or the, And my brother texted me saying, great podcast, Hunter. That was, I really liked it. <laughs> and and my father listened to it. My mother listened to it. And they all got a lot out of it. So he's, he's John's wisdom really had its own ripple effects. But um yeah, so that's and, where and you... this is a great podcast. This is There are a lot of parenting <laughs> podcasts out there. Hunter's is really awesome, and it's different. There's a great energy to it, and there are... You feel like you're walking away with something good. Oh, good, good. Yeah. And then the final thing I might mention is that if you're interested in the course, you can go to mindfulparentingcourse.com. So, but it's, uh, you know, it's all accessible from mindfulmamamentor.com. Got it. And so that's the way. Got it. Hunter, thank you so much for joining me here today. Hey, thank you, John. I really had a great time. I love it. Thank you. Um, This is the Undo Anxiety Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, LiveLeadPlay.com, and WGN+. Um, I'm Dr. John Duffy. On behalf of Hunter Clark Fields and myself, thanks so much. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. You can find this podcast online at iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, LiveLeadPlay.com, which is affiliated with IPEC Coaching School, and WGN+. On my website, there's a free parenting program. 
uh, drjohnduffy.com. If you are a parent, I strongly encourage you to check that out. Uh, some really good ideas there. Uh, if you have thoughts or ideas uh, for this podcast or if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, uh, please email me at johngduffy at drjohnduffy.com. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the Undo Anxiety Podcast.